Welcome to Buffalo Politics Uncensored. I'm your host, Vanessa Kluszewski. Enjoy the show. of Buffalo Politics Uncensored. I am your host, Vanessa Glushevsky. In this episode, Jack and I sat down for a quick review of the city council, county ledge, and county executive races. Obviously, in the city, there were no real surprises, given that the primary winners very rarely lose in the general election. However, on the county side, we, we, did, have, um, we did have some surprises. So without further ado, here it is. Okay, so this is Buffalo Politics Uncensored, and uh, Jack Kavanaugh and I are here. This is Vanessa Glushevsky. Um And we're going to talk about the election results. Unfortunately, we couldn't get a third guest because <laughs> we just, our schedules <laughs> weren't all matching. It's been a busy, uh, yes. been a busy week. <laughs> Had a lot going on. So. But, you That's know. Okay. <laughs> Um, It'll help us keep it short. To the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we do, um, we do look forward to having lots of great guests. But yes. Um, so let's start. So uh, we can start talking about some of the early voting stuff because it was interesting. So I was looking at on election night. I was looking at um, some of the turnout numbers in general, and so total county turnout was about thirty-four percent, mm-hmm. and the city of Buffalo is twenty-three percent. Each of those jumped up by a good amount. So 2015, mm-hmm. um, City Buffalo was like less than 20%, it was okay. 18 or 19. Yeah. And I County, I think, that. was about 30, about okay. 30%. So they both jumped up like a decent amount. Right. Uh, I think in terms of like voting numbers, it was like, I can't remember exactly, but so they jumped up around 20 to 30% each. Yeah. Um, although still having only t- 20 three percent turnout in the city of buffalo isn't great right um, well yeah but we didn't have too many competitive races for the council no. and even our county legislature actually i don't know if we had any competitive races no. for the council we there did were a couple not. that were <laughs> campaigned i don't know if i call them competitive but we can talk yeah. about those in a minute but yeah no it's true and you know it's like um uh but you know 34 percent you know turnout isn't isn't terrible by like mm-hmm. county standards it's a lot higher than it was four years ago mm-hmm. um you know, I think it's like twenty, thirty thousand more people, mm-hmm. um, and I can't, I can't imagine that early voting didn't have something to do with that. Yeah, well, I mean, and like we were just talking offline about this a little bit, but this is the first year that this happened. Right. Some people were confused. I know, just of personal accounts, where some people were confused about where they could do early voting because yeah. it wasn't at your no, I polling go place. Anywhere, right. Any of them. Right. Exactly, and so that was that was new. And if you weren't paying attention, yeah. then then you might have been confused about how to do that and like what the hours were and everything like that. Yeah, I did some phone banking for a few campaigns last weekend, um, and so it was the last couple of days of early voting. And uh, you know, people I talked to, they were all like, "Oh, I didn't know, you know, this is where I could go." And it was actually some of it was for it was some for the Bowling Cars campaign and some for Mitch Lukowski's campaign. And so for a lot of Fillmore, their early voting site was the Broadway Market was the closest one for a lot of right. them. Um, 
but that's not where they would have voted, you know, normally. Right, normally, yeah. So it's just kind of like, we are leaving a voicemail, like, if you want to yeah. go today and tomorrow, go to the Broadway market. Yeah. If you want to go on Tuesday, go to wherever you normally go. Yeah. Uh, just, and you know, people will get used to it, but... Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. It was something new to get used to. It was also a different process, because they look up your name mm-hmm. electronically, and then they print the ballot for yeah. you. So that was really interesting. It was, you know, because if, if, if you can go vote anywhere, then right. you know, everyone's ballots are complete. They could have right. been pre-printed. Because right. what mine right. would look like is very different than what someone in Elma or right. right. would look like. So yeah, that was interesting. I brought, like, they sent out those little postcards with your voter ID info and a barcode on it. Yeah. And you could bring it and it would just, like, scan the barcode. Yeah. And it would pull up your stuff. And we did that, which was really, was really quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did not get mine. No. Uh, but the person who lived at my house before me got hers. Yes, the person who lived at my place before I also got one there. And then we also did. So there was like six cards that showed up to our house. Well, yeah, I guess I should say sometimes our mail gets thrown around by our kids. So maybe that happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's always a struggle. Sometimes I won't even check the mail for a while. I gotta, I gotta work on that. Yeah. But, they, um, but anyway, so I, you know, I think, I think largely, I would, I mean, looking at some of it, and you know, the Buffalo News, as we were talking about before, you know, did indicate that a lot of the early voting was, you know, older folks, um, and you know, they tried to say would, you know, mm-hmm. they probably would have voted anyway or mm-hmm. whatever. But again, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you have mm-hmm. voting turnout from a comparable race four years ago, jumping up 20, 30 percent. Yeah. And some of that is the fact that the race was much more competitive for county yeah. executive than it was four years ago. But that's not. That, that doesn't account for 20, 30% increase, yeah. you know, and it's like... No, and I think that they said something about, like, about 65% of the people were over, or 60 to 65% like were over 65, but that's still, what, 30 to 35, or mm-hmm. 40 to 35%. Yeah, and, you know, a big part of the early voting is allowing for, you know, people who might have, you know, physical accessibility needs right. to... You know, they have more time. They right. can coordinate rides. They can do right. that. And a lot of folks who are older have more of those needs. Right. So maybe those are the older folks that wouldn't have voted anyway. Right. You right. Know, it's hard to really say. Yeah. Um, once once we're able to get more info, it might be interesting to look at it uh, in terms of yeah. I mean, how many people voted? You know, I mean, there's just a lot of data that could be really called from that. And I'll be mm-hmm. curious to see if people will look at that um, a lot. But so in general, you know, but I think turnout was generally pretty high, which is. Um, I mean, both, like, it's good, but it's also kind of depressing because they have 34% turnout in your county is high mm-hmm. and 20% turnout in the city is mm-hmm. high, but it is. It is, yeah. it is what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, but hopefully it'll, like you, like you said, it's the first year. Yeah. No, I'll be curious. Do we know, do you know if they're going to be rolling on primaries, too, or is it just the general? You know, I... think I, it's the presidential primary. Will be yeah, the yeah, I, be I think it is. So, I mean, and I, I would hope so, because, I, I mean, I think... I think any, I think any measure that aims to expand yeah, access to democracy is great. So no, I agree. It's a good step. And hopefully, yeah. it just gets, this is just the first step that it gets expanded. There's more sites. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I think being able to do, you know, easier access to mail voting, you know, being mm-hmm. able to mail ballots in mm-hmm. and getting them mailed to your house, mm-hmm. things like that. There are things we can keep building off of. This is yeah. a really, a really good first step. And I think also if you look at some of the numbers too. You know, Erie County had the highest early uh, voting turnout yeah, in the state, which is really that, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they did they did do a good job of it here. There, was yeah. like, there were places that were convenient for everyone, so yeah. it was nice. Um, so yeah. we'll see how it continues as people get used to it. But, you know, more engagement, the better. Yeah, um, no, I do applaud the uh, Erie County Board of Elections that for that. That was good. Got to give them their due when <laughs> they do it right. Yeah. Uh, 
So before we get into the other specific races, do you want to talk about the ranked choice stuff in New York City? Yeah. Um, so I was really excited to see this. I've been following this because I've been, I think, I, well, I mentioned on the other podcast that we did with Below Zero that I've been working on a a ranked choice voting project. And so uh, New York City is the latest municipality to have considered it. Um, at least I'm not aware of any other municipalities that were considering it this past election cycle. But uh, New York City adopted it, and it looks like it's going to go forward. And actually, there's a lot of really interesting history around this that I won't go into right now. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, New York City did... Um, did historically have some form of choice voting in the past, and it actually worked really well. Uh, and so I, I won't go in any more into that, but uh, so I'm excited to see this and excited to see how it plays out because New York City is a big city, and just like changes in California affect the rest of the nation, yeah. um, changes in New York City uh, have the potential to affect the rest of the nation as well. So, yeah. and Joe, I was looking it up specifically, it will be for any primaries, elections, and special elections mm -hmm. for city council. So New York City has a public advocate seat. Yep. Um, Jemani Williams is in right now. Mm -hmm. just, she just wanted another term. Uh, city comptroller and mayor. So mm -hmm. all the city races when I have ranked choice voting. And yeah. so the way that works is, so say you have you know, three people running for a seat, um, you could then, so you had four people, you could rank your top four, mm -hmm. and then as they look, they would, if no one has at least 50% of the total votes, they would take whoever came in last place. Um, and all of the people who, so say like I came in fourth place for, you know, mayor, mm -hmm. they would take all the people who put me as their first choice and then give all those votes to those people second choices. Yep. And keep doing that until someone gets at least 50%. What I thought was interesting, and I looked it up, and I'm trying to pull it up now, was how many races in Buffalo would have been, over the past like 20 years, how many races in primaries in Buffalo races would have come down to... Yeah. Voting. Well, I mean, I so I think that's a really great point because I mean, in looking at this, I mean, so the race in Fillmore comes to mind as yep. one that would have benefited from ranked choice voting. I mean, and the field was really crowded there. There was no one that went with more than fifty percent. No. Same with the Maston district, and I mean, we don't have any. It's hard to say what would have happened if ranked choice voting would have been, you know, implemented at the time. But it's quite possible that the people who won those primaries yep. would not have. So, uh, I looked it up, so there's been, so I looked at the basically city council, uh, so there's no mayoral race where it would have affected anything. Mm -hmm. Everyone's always won a majority. Mm -hmm. um, so the district seats, as well as I looked at the school board district seats to see where it would have come in. And so this year, both Fillmore and Maston. So mm -hmm. Mitch ended up winning with about 35, 36%. Yeah. And then Garrett Yaska came in second with about 26%. Yeah. Um, and so that's an example of just a contrast, right? So that example is there was, I think, four or five people all vying for the same seat. Right. right. So it was pretty evenly spread. Uh, and then so in Maston, you have someone, if you list his Wingo, who ends up winning with almost 46%. Mm -hmm. And then you have Nate Boyd with about 27 And I think Veronica Gold ends up with about 15 or 20% was mm -hmm. third. Um, and then Jennifer Strickland was also in that race as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's harder to say that 
Wingo might not have wouldn't got that last like five percent. But it does. I think it also uh, well, a different yeah. Kind of dynamic. But you never know because it also changes the voting dynamics too. Yes. Because people, when they feel more free to not quote waste their vote. Yep. You know, if they feel like they voting for Nate Boyd would be like a wasted vote, supposedly, you know, right. I'm putting these in air quotes because, you know, well, it's clear that Wingo's going to win. Then, you know, some people would just vote for Wingo anyway. Some people right. won't go out and vote at all because they don't have that choice or they don't feel like they have a choice. And so, I mean, I think a lot of this, I mean, I think that there's more to be said about how I it can agree. affect voter behavior. And it would also hopefully, and so that's another thing. So, like, for example, in the last mayoral election, right, so it was uh, Mayor Brown, so Byron Brown, uh, Mark Shorter, and Betty Jean Graham mm-hmm. ran as a, as a third you know, mm-hmm. candidate. Mm-hmm. And I think the mayor ended up winning with about, like, 52%. Yeah. But that could have come down a lot closer. Yeah. And then there might have been more people who might have said, you know, I'm going to throw my vote for Betty Jean. Yeah. Because I want to, you know, and then I can rank the mayor a second to yeah. also be able to send a message that, like, Hey, we're supporting you for another term, right? But this is what she's saying is making sense to us, right? Right. You know, and things like that, right? Um, so the other races, I'll just say quickly, just so people have an idea of it, was actually Ulysses Wingo again in his first term, mm-hmm. only actually won about forty-four percent mm-hmm. to Sharon Belton Cotman's about forty percent. Yeah, so that one definitely could have swung either way. It was a mm-hmm. difference of only like eighty votes. Mm-hmm. Um, former school board member Jay McCarthy, both of his elections, he did not get fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, Two more school board elections in 2007, um, and then in 2003, and you know it's, it was fun looking back at this. The city comptroller race where Jim Pitts won with 35.33 percent, mm-hmm. beating my mother Barbara Kavanaugh coming in second with 30 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been it's interesting. That was probably the one where it was like, and then um, that's such an interesting race just to look back on too because um, then Andy Sanfilippo lost the Democratic primary by a lot ran in the general as a Republican and yeah. then won the general election, which I think is the, the last time a Republican has won a citywide race yeah, uh, in a long yeah, time. Yeah. Um, and then Dave Franzek, both in 2001 and 2003, um, because that was when they got rid of that large seats and restructured. Yeah. So some of the councilmen was only at a two-year term then. And then yeah. Betty Jean Grant in uh, University District and Brian Davis in Ellicott in 2001, both only with about between 30 and 40%. So there's been a few. And then the other half of it, too, is you know, it encourage more people to to run. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you don't right. have to feel there's less there's less right. of that. Like, oh, you're gonna spoil you're gonna spoil it, it from everybody. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, yeah. no, we can we can do that. And I think that's that's always a good thing. And especially you know, combine that, and you look at how you know third parties and stuff function. You give a bit more power to something like working families, mm-hmm. especially if you know fusion voting goes away and they start running their own candidates. Mm-hmm. That can help them retain some power. Mm-hmm. I think, which will be beneficial. So hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. Hopefully we can see that statewide. Although I don't, I don't know, you know, how soon that'll be. But, you know, and I think to get it in the city, we'd have to, you know, do as a referendum for the city of Buffalo. You need two thirds of the council members to approve it, and then it can go to the city as a referendum. So if we did want to start doing that here, that would be the process. <laughs> well, and I mean, the interesting thing, too, is that. In doing things by referendum, it can also be kind of tricky because that was how it fell in the past. Yeah. Was because of the fact that this was all done by referendum, it was also easily undone by referendum as right. well. So I yeah, mean, a lot, of, a lot of education has to go into anything that we want to do by yeah. referendum. And uh, the, you can imagine that 
there would be, as there was in the past, a very well-funded attack on it. So. Yeah. Well, and we can do. I would. We should do a whole other thing on like some of this, some of the voter reform. Maybe we'll do an episode on that with someone. We can talk about this, public okay. campaign financing, some of the fusion voting stuff, all that's happening right now. Yeah. Especially once they decide on that public campaign financing stuff, so we can get a little deeper into some of that. Yeah, I mean, so we have. Other, uh, yeah. It's a whole other. Uh, well, we. My, I'm working on this. Uh, the project. I'm working on the project with my friend, Aaron Carmen, and so once. Once we have, we're getting close to wrapping up our our paper, so. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. We'll all have we'll, to at the same We'll time. have to try and. I think the Public Campaign Financing Commission has to report back by the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. So let's let's dig into some of the some of the races. We talk about the Common Council first because there wasn't really much to talk about with those. Yeah, like yeah. The only ones where there was even multiple people on the ballot, right, it was like Niagara, because Mark Supples ran in the Republican line. Yep. And he lost like 90 to 10. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was surprised at, because I thought he had more name recognition you know, than that. I will say, I saw a lot of his signs out. Yeah. And a lot of those signs were not in the Niagara district, and I don't okay. think he knew if he knew the boundaries. Okay. a lot of them were on the Lower West Side part that's at Fillmore. Okay. Um, and so I got where I saw most Mark Supple's signs were in the Fillmore district. So I don't okay. know if he just like that's where he knows people and was hoping for right. name recognition right. or what. Right. I don't really know what his. I don't really know that he was like going door to door. Right, you know? right, right. And so I think, you know, I don't know, but I did. I did notice that that a lot of his signs were on the Lower West Side, which is not part of the Niagara district. Well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so and also you know I mean I think people, you know, for all of his flaws, I mean. Denver is very likable, and uh, you know I think he's a, a good council member of the district. Mm-hmm. People might disagree with him, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you want someone like that who at least like has integrity, and you know what you're getting, even if you don't agree with them on everything, and mm-hmm. you'll kind of respect that more than a unknown quantity in Mark Subbles. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, there are some things I'm not happy with, and I uh, don't like. The amount, the level of politics that's involved with some of the decisions made on the council level. Yeah. However, I think that applies to everyone blanketly, yeah. okay. and um, and you know, I I do think he's a, a good guy. I still think that it's worth it to have people. I think we still need to be working towards having competitive races, people running for the district uh, who are you know, maybe naive enough to be standing by their values (laughs) (laughs) at all costs but but uh, we just didn't have that in this, you know, we didn't we didn't have that here it would be nice so I mean, yes, it's like (laughs) uh, David Rivera's in there for another four years I hope the fact that he got challenged by a young woman um and that the only reason that she wasn't on the ballot was because of, you know, a ridiculous mess, you know, a ridiculous mess up with the petition process. Right. Uh, you know, if there was a better ballot access system in New York State, then we might have had a different race. And I, I hope that he will consider that in his next four years as council member. Uh, and but I will say, I do think that he has a good staff and that he does pay attention to the issues so I do really appreciate that about him yeah um, so 
The other one, so Marble Williams rocks because they was about 20, which is like not no yeah. one's really surprised by that. Farrelletto and Pridgen, no one ran against them. Yeah. At all. Um, Brian Bowman, Antoinette Craig was on the Lovejoy um, ballot, yeah. and he won about 83 to 17. Yeah. Brian Golden got another 17% mass. I know she wasn't really campaigning too hard, though, after the primary, so yeah. I like her a lot, but mm-hmm. I know she wasn't really, like, going out of the Yeah. Um, no one ran against Golombek or Scanlon. No. And Dorothy Franklin was on the university line and got about 11% of the vote, which is, you know. Um, and so then the only other one was Fillmore. So Fillmore was the only one that was, like, moderately competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there was someone who... Uh, Pulled together a campaign at the last minute from the yeah, I saw that. Valley community, and I know he he did a very, uh, from what I heard, a very aggressive early voting campaign. Mm. It's like half of his votes. He almost got as many as he beat Mitch in early voting, but then oh wow, no one. So he beat Mitch 259 to 250 in early voting, huh. and then he only had 284 election night votes to Mitch's 1800. So yeah, yeah, ended yeah. up not being all that close. But so I guess he was. Uh, you know, ended up being fairly aggressive at the Broadway market from mm-hmm, what I heard, mm-hmm. trying to get people to like vote for him. Mm-hmm. But you know, you do what you do. And then, uh, so then the other one's Raymond Brinson, who's actually ended up topping him slightly. They both finished with about 16, 17% of the vote mm-hmm. to Mitch's 64. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and I think. Um, yeah, well, congratulations to Mitch. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he definitely. Worked his ass off to do that. He did. He did. So you know, and uh, I, you know, like we said, we, I like I like uh, Raymond a lot, and hoping that he doesn't, you know, take this too hard and disappear or anything. Because I think he's, I, I developed some respect for him. I think in some of the things he was talking about and some of the work that he wants to do in the community. Well, and I'm really excited to hear that somebody from the Bengali community mm-hmm. stepped up and ran a last minute campaign. I mean, I, this is what you know we've been talking about is just more people running. And, I mean, I feel like that can't be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so that was the city races. There wasn't much going on. So with the county legislature, so in the city races, again, the ones in the city were not, you know, at all competitive. <laughs> um, <laughs> the ones in the suburbs were a bit more. So it ended up that, the, if I'm not mistaken, that the Democratic and Republican majority I mean, their ratio stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Um, two seats did flip. So Lynn Dixon's former seat was won by a Democrat, and then John Brusso and Chitawaga, who was Democrat, was defeated by a Republican. So. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So. Oh my gosh! <laughs> when I had checked the results last, he was winning. No, yeah, he. Um, it was about forty-eight fifty-two. He lost by about. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. I've votes. been out of the loop. I guess. Yeah, Frank Cadaro. <laughs> He was, yeah, because when I had checked it, it he was, John was leading I pretty... I know a lot of people were trying to, I know that was the that was the race that I think people were concerned was going to flip. And uh, so there was a lot of, you know, just, uh, that it was going to be close. People just okay. felt like it was close. So yeah, he ended up losing by about, yeah, about 750 votes. Um, so it was really close then. Yeah, so about 48-52 was the margin. Um, so that flipped, but then John Gilmore won Lynn Dixon's old seat. Mm-hmm. He's a Democrat, mm-hmm. so the ratio is exactly the same: seven, Demo- seven Democrats, four Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other ones that were really that interesting. So KSQ 
um, in the 11th was about 70-30. She did not win. Well, um, I thought the Amherst... Uh, yeah, the Amherst one was yeah, interesting. The fifth. I'm just going through the other ones, see if there's anything really of no... Who's the... Yeah. Yeah, so the fifth district. So that was uh, Shelly Schratz yeah. and Jean Vinal. Uh, ends up being not super close, uh, about yeah, 45, she, 55. Yeah, um, she really killed it. Yeah, and that was really nice to see. Yeah. You know, because one of the things, we can talk about this in the you know county executive, but the county in general, is that, you know, Amherst is... It's turning into... Uh, very, very... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is interesting, you know, and I, yeah. I, I see that makes sense to me, you know, I, the way I've seen it from just the way I've seen people I know and yeah. people I've worked with and families and communities, you know, migrating... Um, so that makes sense to me, but it was nice to see that it wasn't even as yeah, close as I thought it was going to be. I was, I mean, they went blue in 2017 when Brian Kelpa won the supervisor race, and then they won all the town council seats that year, even though Nick Langworthy's wife was running for one of those seats. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I was really shocked at those results then, and I mean, again, this year I was really... I was kind of surprised to see that it was just she did she did really well. I mean, I know that they did really that they worked really hard, and so you know, hats off to her for a great campaign. But um, I'm really I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, no, me too. That was um, I thought it was going to be a lot closer. Uh, I, I felt like like it was increasingly blue, and I knew that, and I felt like she was probably going to come out, but it was mm -hmm. definitely more handily than expected. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what the county legislature. Um, and then, so in the county executive race, so that was, um, again, it was about a 45-55 split. Uh, I think it was yeah. a little bit closer. It was a seven-point swing. Yeah. Um, which is, on one hand, not close, but on the other hand, not enough of, like, a difference to be, like, you know, man, we really, you know, it's like, yeah. not like a, it's not a mandate, you know, yeah, it's certainly yeah. not, it's certainly <laughs> not, like, an endorsement, like, a ringing endorsement of, you know, the work that the county's been doing. But it is a a safe margin, so it's interesting. Um, so, in what respect. do you what do you think about that? Like, why do you? I mean, I'm pulling up the we posted mm -hmm. um, we posted a graphic on the Facebook page and about where the votes came from, and it's broken down by municipality. This is courtesy of the Buffalo News, and. I mean, it was, I mean, again, she she got beat pretty handily in Amherst. Yeah, and the city went about four to one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really, I mean, I wasn't really, I don't think anybody was fooled yeah. into thinking she was an independent, so. No. The South <laughs> District uh, comes out again being the relatively Republican part of the city. <laughs> South and Delaware are consistently <laughs> the most Republican, but, you know, that's okay. Um, um, and Chictawaga, I mean, she wasn't really, she wasn't able to do, pull anything off, and, I mean, Clarence, I think nobody was surprised that she won in Clarence. Mm -hmm. I mean, and she really just didn't have those other districts that she really was able to beat him in were not big enough. Yeah, I mean, Hamburg, which you would think that she, I mean, that's, that's her own base. Yeah. That's where she's definitely the most known. And yeah. she did end up winning it, but not by a ton. Yeah, and yeah. You know, you, you're talking about a place where there's about 13,000, 15,000 votes as compared to Amherst, which is 26,000 votes coming out of there. Yeah. You know, and solidly bluer, so it's harder to look at it and say... 
Well, but even Orchard Park. So she loses the village of Orchard Park. And she barely won mm -hmm. the town. Yeah. She and Orchard Park is pretty... Yeah, her biggest victory was definitely Hamburg, which makes sense. But even that was by barely, you know, 45, 55, you know, 40, maybe like 60, 40. I'm not going to be able to do that math in my head that fast. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious about, I mean, I, I guess I'm just really curious. Now, I mean, I will say, I, I think she made, I, I mean, and obviously it's easy to say this, like, as an outsider, right? Because you can say, oh, well, I would have done this and I would have done that. But, you know, I don't remember if we talked about it last time. But I think some of the attack ads that she did. Yeah. I think we did talk about it last might time. Have, but, you know, either way, they were, they were bad. There were some really bad ones. You know what yeah. I mean? And I didn't, you know, I generally am not a fan of any really, like, negative campaigning stuff right. in general. I just... But... Um, I mean, I think it's perfectly acceptable, acceptable to go after someone's record. Yes, yes. Um... And if you wanted to make an issue out of the sexual harassment, you know, mm -hmm. the, the fact that his commissioner was convicted of rape, et cetera, and you wanted to make it an issue of women's safety, sure. then I feel like issue. that was fair. Although I don't think they approached they did, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's from the, what I from what I heard, it didn't no. sound like. No, it was like I remember I saw I saw one TV ad because I was watching like the Bills game or something, and I don't usually watch TV, and it was like a Lynn Dixon ad, and it was like <laughs> it was so bad. It was like. Uh, Oh, like child sex convicted sex offender. Yeah, you know, donated you know ten times, and it was like ten donations, like fifty dollars over the last right. like, ten years. So I'm like, right, I, I don't really care. But right. if you you know, they flash it on the screen so fast that like, and then and then it was like, and his commissioner was convicted of rape. Yeah, it was just yeah, like, oh my yeah. god, this, yeah. this, this is not like a conversation around like workplace, yeah. you know, safety or right. sexual harassment, sexual right. assault. It was about you know, just no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you can't, there's no way you can do a background check for everybody that gives you a donation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just for sure. yeah, ridiculous. It's just, it just absurd. And, you know, and it's like, it was like, uh, you know, you, and, you know, more than anything, too, it was like, you know, there might have been some substantive critiques that you can make of the Polish right, administration, right. you know, from a right. right wing perspective, but right. they just didn't do that. They didn't right. talk about issues, like, at all. There was right. no conversation around. Right. You know? And it was so it was just like you know, I mean No, I mean I think when we when we talked about the debates, we brought up quite a few of yeah. those substantive critiques. Right, yeah, and surprised the campaign didn't listen to you know, and be like, here's some stuff you stuck. You know, but it's true they didn't, you know, and it's like uh, but I mean that was the problem with her whole thing, is it was just like it was just like I'm not some, you know, liberal yeah thing. yeah it's like this is who i'm not There's right. nothing about who she is as a person yeah i mean and i i think that that's and so i wanted to make this point more clearly when we talked last time um when we talked about the debates but i it didn't really come off as clearly as i wanted it to but i think that the interesting thing though is that um i mean i will say i think it's hard when you're running against an incumbent to not get sucked into playing the, well, he did this and he did this game. Yeah. Or she did this and she did that game. I mean, and I saw it happen in her race where she was the incumbent. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember his name. He's great. He's a great guy. I just can't remember it because I'm, like, <laughs> sleep deprived. So yeah. no offense. But, uh, you know, you, you do get kind of wrapped into this. Well, he did this. He did this. And it's really... 
it can get challenging to it can be it can be challenging as the candidate to say this is me this is what i'm about and not really not really base your campaign on what the other person is doing because like even in my race i tried my best to when i was running countywide i tried my best to focus on the issues but at the end of the day you know we we ended up doing a lot of attacks on what he was doing i think that they were fair attacks sure but at some point though you kind of lose who you are and yeah. what you stand for if you do that too much right. and i mean i feel like i may i you know that may have been what we ended up doing in the end of my campaign too sure. i mean because to some degree people want a blood sport too which right. is kind of hard yeah you know like it's hard to get people fired up to go out and vote for comptroller <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying yeah i mean i think it's a little bit different with county executive but even county executive it's a county race we talked about voter turnout yeah. it's not like there's nothing compared to presidential turnout people tend to pay more attention to national politics so i mean i think there is this strategy um that i've definitely seen republicans use you know to try and fire up the base like with all these kind of hot button national issues so like the year that i run it was like you know a mailer with somebody taking a knee on a football field (laughs) and like yeah a hispanic person climbing over a wall or hispanic looking person climbing over a wall and you know etc i mean and so nothing nothing to do at all with the with the sheriff's race with the comptroller's race uh, with you know tv race at night uh, Chris Jacobs said they, they would do like a TV ad for Chris Jacobs for Congress yeah. and, and it was like all about like funding the border wall. yeah 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 like yeah. Western yeah. New York like right. what does this have to do with anything right. it was just like pure just oh know, yeah these, like these dog whistles and these just like mm-hmm. you know yeah it was, just, it was really bad and yeah. then all this stuff with I mean you see it in two now with like all this stuff with green lighting and that's all they're doing yeah oh you yeah know, it's just trying to get people riled up over an oh, yeah. issue or you know, I say a non-issue, but like something that they're clearly on the losing side of. Well, um, yeah, and trying to make it a civil rights issue, right. which is, which is kind of offensive. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but you, you know, but they're getting people, you know, hyped up. So yeah. But so yeah, I mean, you know, I think generally with the you know, county, we talk about like you know, look at the whole county, you look at you know turnout. You know, I mean, it's tough with these races because. There's nothing really just sexy about any of these, you right? Know? And uh, you know, I feel like that's always been like the criticism of like one main thing of Polkars is that he's not a particularly like, you know, he's not this like bombastic personality. Yeah, which is one of the reasons I like about him. Yeah, I, like I'm not either, so it's right. nice to see someone like <laughs> succeed. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, it does make it harder to drive that kind of like passion and excitement and turnout when mm-hmm. it's like I'm just doing a good job mm-hmm. taking care of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and there's something to be said for the fact that like he's managed to be as progressive as he has been, mm-hmm. um, which isn't necessarily as much as I would like, but yeah. you know, not bad. Yeah, in the same electorate that has elected, you know, Tim Howard for however long, instead Trump. of Milo, yeah, yeah, and voted like you know, and like, and he's still managed to be able to come out on top of all that. And there's something, right. you know, to be said and impressive for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. I think there is something to be said about that, but at the same time, because I thought about this, because we, we talked, we've talked about this before, and and I was thinking about it afterward, and 
and I know I know that there's something to be said about the pragmatic, you know, the pragmatic approach, but at the same time, again, I feel like there's a line, and when you do it too much, then it just looks like you don't have any values, yeah. and you're just willing to do whatever. And I feel like that's a little scary because then we end up. I mean, we see it on the Republican side, whatever, with everybody. Now, now the contest is, oh, he's a never Trumper, or I'm a Trumper, I'm a Trumper till I die, and he's a never Trumper, and blah blah blah, you know. And it's just like, well, what happened to what values do you stand on? Sure. You know. Yeah, I think you still managed to do a decent job of that, but I mean, I think you're right. That is the that is the that is the trouble, mm-hmm. you know. And it's a question of you know. Yeah. No, it is. It's you know. It's the sort of the, that's the line you have yeah. to watch for you know yeah um, you know but it is uh, it'll be interesting to see and then so yeah so we'll have four more years and then who knows if you know he'll want to continue on at that point or not um, yeah I don't think we've had a county executive for four terms before yeah I don't know if he's going to want to do that because it sounds exhausting to do it in another <laughs> four years I mean that's just what the most stressful job um, so who knows so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as we end up we're looking at who's who's kind of positioning themselves to kind of move up into that space, mm-hmm. um, you know, and what that looks like. And so it'll be interesting to see. So then, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's what the race is. And mm-hmm. then um, do you want to just do a quick, like, preview of what's happening in 2020, like what race seats are up? Well, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess we might as well just, like, really quick just talk about that. So in 2020, so obviously the president... The president. That's a big one. That's a huge one. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of congressional seats. So, as you know, Chris Collins is not mm-hmm. in that seat. There's going to be a special election probably at some point. They haven't mm-hmm. officially announced it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it might be April. It'll be yeah. the presidential primary mm-hmm. in April, which would be good for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, so, McMurray's planning on running. I mean, he's running for that. And on the Republican side, you have Chris Jacobs. I don't know if Stefan's actually announced it. I yet, don't know if he's announced. But he's definitely going to. So, <laughs> I have no yeah. doubt. I know Rob Ort from uh, who's a state senator of Niagara County. Yep. And a couple other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a woman, an attorney. Yeah, it's an she's, um, she's on like Fox News a bunch. Okay, yeah. I think her name is Beth. It is, yeah. yeah. I can't think of her last name. Mm-hmm. She's raised a ton of money. Okay. She's, you know, because she's on Fox News, she's like one of their talking heads that calls, they call for her stuff sometimes. Okay. So she has a national profile. Okay. Which is, you know, not necessarily good or bad for her. You're 27, mm-hmm, but it means mm-hmm. she's gonna get more money. Um, although Chris Jacobs, I'm sure, could self fund his campaign and out fundraise anyone else. And he's raised quite a bit of money. I think he's yeah, raised the most money. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that is also he had his state He had at least 700. Fund, a lot, and then also a lot of his own money. Right. Um, he has at least $775,000. And there are buildings named after his family. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so he'll have no trouble raising money. Yeah. Uh, so that's a congressional event in. Twenty six with Higgins. I don't. I don't think anyone. Certainly, no other Democrats I know of are running against him, and I'm sure the Republicans will do their usual, just throw mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. against the wall and mm-hmm. let them have fun and get mm-hmm. destroyed by him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, congressional races, then you have your state legislature races. So, in the state senate, uh, you know, locally, I know we have in cities, you know, the state senate in the city is basically split halfway. What's mostly in Tim Kennedy's district. And then a bit in the 60th district, which is Chris Jacobs' current district. Mm-hmm. He's not running, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so Tim Kennedy, I'm sure, will get some Republican 
mm-hmm. whoever is thrown at the wall against him, then mm-hmm. they will win. Um, I want to know if there's going to be another Democratic, because yes, he's had a Democratic time. challenger a couple of years, in a, yep. a couple cycles in a row. Yep. Yeah, I don't, so I don't know what that, that'll look like. Maybe someone will, especially someone from, I think there's been a hunger from, because his district in the city is mostly east side. Yeah. And parts of Ellenville, North Buffalo, and South Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I think there's definitely been a, a hunger from, you know, some folks and neighbors on the east side to get a representative that was, you know, not a white guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's an interesting question because I feel like now that the Senate is Democratic, there's a question as to whether they would want to displace somebody like Tim Kennedy because he's got seniority and has been in the Senate for quite some time. So displacing him with someone who's a more, who's a junior senator would be a shift in dynamics for sure. Um, Although, you know me, that (laughs) I don't think that should ever stop anyone. No, and you know, ultimately, absolutely, I think he'll probably win, Mm -hmm. but I don't think there's anything wrong with someone saying like, hey, listen Mm -hmm. to my community and our needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's the call to attention that people need. and then so the 60th district, which is the other part of the city, mm-hmm. so that's uh, most of like Denwood Village, mm-hmm. uh, parts of North Buffalo, most of like North Buffalo, I think. And um, so it's Chris Jacobs' current district, also is Tonawanda and Hamburg. Anyway, so he's not doing it. So I know Sean Ryan has declared that he's running for that. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard from any Republicans. I think his district runs all the way down to Derby, if yeah, I'm not pretty, mistaken. It yeah. It's pretty big. And it's in, in like Sean Ryan's current assembly district is like 60% of it yeah so it's like yeah. it already has a lot of name recognition and support right, in those right, right. areas it's basically like the three major like kind of voting blocks is geographically is you know City of Buffalo obviously mm-hmm. Hamburg and then Tonawanda mm-hmm. um, and there's a few other here in the South Towns it goes mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. pretty it goes far. down pretty far it does um, so that'll be interesting and I you know I've heard a few other names tossed around for that, so we'll see who yeah. ends up declaring or not. Um, yeah. If people end up doing that, and those will be the big ones for next year. Yeah, the state legislature. So we did is fully democratic well, now. You know, and so it's going to be interesting to see how we can rile up. You know, whether there's more of a kind of progressive push to push the Democratic Party now further left now that we have the control. Right. You know, or if there are you know districts that can get more of a majority. Uh, because then it'll give some of the more progressive members of the mm-hmm. legislature a bit more power, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happen happens. Uh, Pat, our friend Pat Burke is mm-hmm. running. Yeah. Yep. Well, everybody is running, so yep, Pat Burke is on. one of them. Yeah, and so the assembly, so Pat Burke is part of the city. He has yeah. a chunk of South Buffalo. South Buffalo and then Orchard Park, and I Orchard believe. Orchard Park and yeah. uh, West Seneca. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, most of the city of Buffalo is, you know, in Crystal People Stokes district, and I mean, she's not going anywhere yeah. I'm in her district, and I'm happy that she's my <laughs> assembly representative. I think she's great. And then, uh, and then, so Sean Ryan is now leaving his seat. Yeah. And so that district is mostly Elmwood Village on the west side. It's like a little chunk of Lackawanna, mm-hmm. and like all of Hamburg, and then like a little piece of North Buffalo on the Riverside. I really want to see who's going to run for that seat. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. No one's like officially said anything yet that I've yeah. heard. I've heard like a bunch of different rumors and names tossed around. So. Yeah. I'll be curious to see who ends up actually taking the plunge because who really knows? Yeah. Um, and it could be, you know, it could be someone from the city. It could be someone from Hamburg. Yeah. You know, who I don't yeah. even know. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, those, all those assembly seats will all be up. Um, yeah. You know, and we had a bunch of, like, like Pat Burke, Karen McMahon at Assembly, mm-hmm. I mean, and Amherst, mm-hmm. you know, who just won. Mm-hmm. Going for their first re-election. My and former so, boss, Monica Wallace. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, 
interesting stuff going on some of the suburban assembly districts too mm-hmm. um, you know sometimes it's a lot easier to run as a, a different dynamic when you're running as a, you know well you gotta run you've got to run on your record yeah so that'll be interesting to see yeah so, cool all right um, anything we missed I don't think so I mean so I uh, so just for future reference Pat Burke has said that he's interested in coming on the podcast so look out for that yeah that'd be great and um, it's be an interesting state legislative session. So yeah, and um, Brian Nowak is planning on coming back on to talk mm-hmm. about um, the uh, ta- re- the tax assessment in Chictawaga. Yep, yeah, and some of the issues that are going on out there, and and then we talked to Catherine Franco possibly as well about coming mm-hmm. on some issues with the city. So we'll have some good mm-hmm. issue based stuff between now and the next start campaign start launching. Mm-hmm. But now that it's Petition season much earlier. Yeah, they're gonna have to start to do that in like January. So yeah, and it's not gonna be much of like an off season, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Buffalo Politics Uncensored. Many thanks to this show's producer, Jack Cavanaugh. And uh, due to a scheduling conflict, unfortunately, we didn't have a guest speaker on this episode, as you heard. But we do plan to have great speakers coming up soon. And also, as a reminder, we are launching Politics in the Buff, which will essentially be regularly scheduled happy hours where all are welcome, no matter what your political affiliation. And it will be a place for us to basically meet face-to-face, share a drink of your choice, and do what we love best, talk politics. Our first meetup is scheduled for December 12th at the Tabernacle on Grand Street from 530 to 7. Hope to see you there.